Well, it's 7 p.m. Eastern. No, it's not. It's 6 p.m. <laughs> Eastern time. And you know what that means? Tonight, you are on with the blondes a little earlier, but that's because we have some fabulous guests for you. Um, but before we start, hi, Dee Dee. Hi. How are you doing? Good. Yeah, good. It's Monday. Actually, yeah, I would throw this in here really quick. I'm looking for three more people for my dream study. So, and it closes out September 1st. So if you guys haven't seen that, ask us about it. Um, it's on social media and I have three slots left. So I just want to put that out there in case somebody okay. doesn't know that's watching. Can I have a slot, but I don't want to take away from the three because I know you might want new blood in there, but can I take a slot? Definitely. Or can you, can you add a slot? Whatever you I want to do. Add a slot. I'll always a add slot. a slot. I don't care. <laughs> Thank you. I would love to try this. I'm excited. So this particular study is a you said seven days it's seven days you've got to record your dreams send them to me the, the the study is to see if we can connect to a spirit in our dreams and also to each other and i've created a spot like to meet in the dream and no one should know each other in the mm. study so and well people know you're in the study but um and and people report back to me what they see. So it's for mutual dreams and also contacting okay. spirits and dreams. Oh, I love that. Okay, so three more slots or two more. I don't know how she's gonna do this one, but two or three more slots, let's get those filled. Um, if you are watching us from the Get Haunted Network public page or the Get Haunted main page, welcome and thank you for joining us tonight. And to our, our little side friends and family, let's say hello before we continue talking. Um, we have Rob first and foremost. I'm gonna I'm gonna add him up here, guys. Look, him a producer. He I don't know. Are you gonna pop on for us, Rob? You might want to come say hi to all your fans. There he is. He's, oh, are you eating? He's eating his dinner. Um, he is helping us because we had such a fantastic show last week, Beanie. Your dream talking about past lives, talking about past lives, and adding your your tarot reading with the past lives like that was huge we had so many comments and trying to keep up with comments and, and not wanting to miss anybody rob sort of pulled what i pulled on him how i we pulled my way in to get haunted which was you suck at instagram and he was like um you're missing a lot of comments you need some help so thank you rob for helping yeah, us you got it boss <laughs> all right i'm out okay that's <laughs> All right, so he's gonna be helping us on the side. So we shouldn't miss any of your fabulous comments, but Miss D who, there is D who coming in from Texas. I know this is not permanent. We were helping our guest out tonight. So don't worry, you don't have to worry about travel time. You will see us normally at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Um, we also have Professor T in the house. Stacy, how are you doing? I know we still have to get with Stacy. We to use him for, for something we're super excited about this dd and, and you kind of already know because i asked you to also participate in something uh for the get haunted network so we're going to add him to that mix i hope i hope uh there's miss Brittany. hey Brittany, how are you doing uh danny marie is here in the house we have pat pat sickles is here hey pat she is a rtl primary person we also have kaylee is in the house hey kaylee Travis right here. Hello to you, beautiful pe people. If you didn't sign in, you have to give StreamYard permission or else we don't know. I do know we love you. Um, so excited because when she heard who our guests were tonight, she's like, oh my God, 
he's my boy. I cannot wait to, to watch tonight. Mark Brown, how are you doing, Mark? I hope you got the, um, we gave you a shout out on Wednesday. We were so excited about Mark Brown. He's just coming in strong as being a huge supporter and the perfect person in the paranormal community. He's so supportive. Um, so if you haven't followed Mark Brown, uh, go follow him out. Oh my God, Kenny Biddle. Kenny Biddle on the side? That's crazy. Hey, Kenny. Must be the guest tonight. And then Kevin. Hey, Kevin E. How are you doing, sweetheart? Um, so yeah, I really loved the conversation last week, Dee. It was so interesting to talk about past lives and how many people participated in that conversation and, yeah. and attitude. And they loved your they loved your cards. They really felt like they resonated with how they That's felt cool. about their past lives. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Hey, there's Mary. Um, Montana Paranormal in the house. I know, right? Kenny Biddle in the house. That is crazy. Um, so yeah, I really, I really like it. And I'm I'm gonna say I go back and forth on the past lives thing. Like I'm I'm not saying they don't happen because I do believe in many lives, but it is interesting how we sort of how we all internalize what these past lives mean and yeah. and but how much they might play into our lives today. It's right. such an interesting conversation. So thank you to everybody that joined in on that show. It kind of was one of our bigger shows for just the two. We were like guestless, although yeah. the side was we're the guest, totally, right? But um, it was it was a lot of fun to talk about it. And I think we went two hours. We were like, we not did. stopping. We by, yeah, the universe yeah. was our guest, see. <laughs> well, I love that the universe was our guest, but I do have to ask because Didi, like as soon as we said and live, I felt bad. She was hit with a, a really bad headache. And how long did that last you? Was it, you know, do you feel it was from all the readings that you're giving? I don't know. It was weird because I had done a dream interpretation earlier in the day that was very intense. And then I did all that and I have sinus problems. So maybe it was just my sinuses. I don't know. But yeah. it, like I went from having like you usually headaches come on. And it was just like fine and then bam severe headache and i was yeah. like i even think i don't know if i did during the live but i like grabbed my head because i was like whoa so yeah. i don't know well I took that was crazy and drank some wine and i felt better <laughs> there you go little wine wakuria that's all i'm gonna say <laughs> um so tonight we're super excited because dd Dee Dee has landed um two amazing guests um and so i'm sure you guys all you saw the announcement so you probably all know brandon and mustafa um, if you are a big watcher of some great paranormal um, out there, then you probably know these two. Rachel, like I said, is super excited about Mustafa. So I'm going to bring up our guest tonight. All right. There, there. Hey, guys. Thank you for coming. Hey. <laughs> um, Dee Dee, so you were, you were like, okay, hey, listen, I need dates. We want to get Brandon and Mustafa on. So... I, I'm going to keep it super real, guys. I'm not, I don't watch a lot of paranormal television. So I know you guys are ghost hunters. A&E, I believe that is the, the correct way to say that. Um, but I did watch your trailer for something you guys are doing with Haunted Discoveries. And that's just like, to me, scratching the surface. You guys have so much under your belt. We have a lot to talk about. But um, where do we even start, Dee Dee? Where are we starting with them? I don't even know where to begin here. Well, it's funny because I ended up going um, and looking you guys up and kind of researching you guys. I know so some about you, but I, I didn't realize how much work you guys have both done. There's so much to look at. So I didn't see it all. But I got, um, first thing I was really interested in was Cemetery Park, the documentary that you made, Brandon. 
And it was amazing to me, number one, how people would go and turn a cemetery into a dog park and be okay with that. But it made me think about Old Town San Diego. It's the same thing. They built over the cemetery. And so there's so much disregard for, you know, people that are buried in their history. Like, I mean, not only did they like build over them, but they're erasing their history, which is just mm. horrible. And so I two questions I have is, and somebody brought up in the documentary on the other side and they said, well, when is it okay to dig up bodies and then display them? And they like, we're talking about the Egyptian times because we do that and everybody seems okay with that, you know? So my question to you is, um, do you find a lot of cemeteries are being built over? Does it create hauntings? And then what, when is a good timeline? When is it ever okay to dig up bodies? So that last part of the question, I'm not sure. I think that's going to differentiate between different belief systems, be that cultural, political, spiritual, whatever that may be. Uh, but for me, making that film was all about uh, erasing history and lineage of a certain set of people, mainly immigrants and pioneers and veterans that all came to Ventura, California to make that city what it is today and to see that in actuality, it was really a land grab by the city of San Buenaventura to you know, make a rec center that lo and behold didn't work out because the foundation started slipping because they basically built the entire thing on Swiss cheese, unfortunately. Uh, a lot of lies told not only by the Catholic Church, but also the city of Ventura um, and also the state of California. But, you know, again, when is the right time or the wrong time to do something like that? I, I'm not sure. I, I guess that's different between, you know, each belief system. But with San Diego, like you were talking, the Catholic Church was also involved in that as well. Huh. It's really interesting. It was also brought up in the film. But, um, you know, I made that film because I moved next to what is now known as Cemetery Park. I walked next to it one day and I saw that it said Cemetery Park. And I was like, this definitely looks like a cemetery. Walked through, saw some of the flush markers that were still there and started to ask around town. And it's kind of crazy that this happened in the 60s. But people today still don't even quite know the whole story associated with it. And luckily, I met Stephen Schlater, who's been fighting against the city uh, and the church for years and, you know, slapped them with the Freedom of Information Act and got the most information ever, you know, associated with that particular event. And we blew the lid wide open on it. And it's uh, definitely a great story. And, you know, for me, it's all about preservation of history and also, you know, honoring those that came before us and to see what the city did by erasing the, the memory of these immigrants and pioneers and veterans is just something I never imagined would happen, let alone in my backyard, literally. Yeah. Wow. I, I, I highly recommend anybody who hasn't, you know, seen that documentary to watch it because it, it's really eye opening <laughs> what goes on that you don't even realize things that are going on. But did it create so you say you live by there? Did it create any kind of hauntings? Are there reports of hauntings because of it? There's a lot. Yeah. You know, actually, you know, the film Poltergeist is, you know, loosely based off of what happened. Oh, I didn't um, know so it's yeah, pretty interesting uh, story. But, you know, there was a lot of reports of activity uh, in the surrounding homes and apartment buildings that are there. Uh, there's also a kindergarten uh, that's right in the parking lot, which is over the top of graves, the, the Catholic section in particular. So there's been a lot of stories. You know, I made that film basically, you know, just based off the historical documentation and the political aspect, but yeah, there's a lot of stories associated with it. And a lot of people in Ventura talk about it to this day. And many of which came to me after I made the film, knowing that I have a paranormal background and started talking about those stories as well. And some of the people even which 
had some of the tombstones in their backyards or yeah. would find them that were thrown off the, you know, the Arroyo Seco Canyon would bring them home. And they even said that they had activity at times, which is really interesting. I wondered about that because so many people had uh, taken them home and I was like, I don't know that I would do that, you know, <laughs> it seems. And then they were throwing them over the, the cliff. So there might be some that they still don't, to this day, there's people that they don't know who they are. Hundreds. And what's crazy, I even got a email from uh, the National Park Service that they were finding stones in the Mojave Desert buried, um, which is very strange that you would take these granite and marble stones, which are extremely heavy. I mean, the manpower just to get those moved out and taken in the middle of the Mojave Desert is something that's very strange, very, yeah. very much a cover up. You know what I mean? So yeah. we're like people as far as Oregon, people on the East Coast have found stones. It's just really strange wow. how they ended up scattered all the United States in a way. Um, you know, it's a crazy story. Not only were they found in the Arroyo Seco Canyon, they're also were used to level parts of the golf course and also part of the levee by the marina. And uh, to this day, they stay stones wash up every once in a while. Similar what happened in San Francisco as well. Oh my God. Um, so are we, so when you talk about the Catholic church being a part of this, is it that they're, it's for exchange of money? Is that what we're sort of led to believe or? Well, the Catholic church retained the property once it, was deemed abandoned by the city, which the city had the rights to maintain it. And uh, we're supposed to do that, but they let it fall into disrepair. I mean, the last burial there at Cemetery Park was in well, what was known as St. Mary's was in 1945. Okay. And it was all of a sudden, now it was completely in disrepair by 1960, which uh, they did have prisoners from the local jails and prisons around Ventura cleaning up the, the, the cemetery. And, and maintaining it, which, I mean, it's a work program. They were doing it on highways. It made sense for them to do it on city-owned property. And they stopped that program. And then, you know, if you saw, if you watch the film, you see the city sent out a bunch of letters uh, to family members, which 90% of them were to the wrong people or just completely fake letters, really. Um, but again, so it was supposed to go back to the city and once the city said, no, we're not going to maintain it, it was going to go back to the Catholic Church. And then after some, you know, talks within the city and the Catholic Church, all of a sudden it was miraculously signed over. So what the connection is there and how that, that backroom deal was done, I'm not quite sure. Yeah. It does make you wonder, though, like, you know, how many cemeteries have just been glazed over here and where, where we are. And, you know, you see all these new developments. And, I mean, I just traveling around even if you just go to you know um, more rural areas right and you have the little cemeteries kind of dotted all over the place the next thing you know there's a new neighborhood up there oh. i mean how would you know how would you know what's going on well what's really cool one thing that we you know took elements of cemetery park and added that to our discoveries where we brought in our good friend billy wilkerson who's been working with simpson county historical society out here in kentucky doing a lot of really great GPR work, ground penetrating radar work, where he is specifically contracted by the Simpson County Historical Society to find lost graves. And he's been doing that for about a couple of years now, I think. And we actually started bringing him out on cases with Haunted Discoveries, where we found some very interesting finds when it came to lost cemeteries that were kind of lost to oral uh, history, where the, you know, the old timers said that it existed, but people, 
um, you know, 70 to 80 years and younger didn't really know. And uh, we were able to find some really cool stuff associated with it, which is kind of cool to carry on that thought process of Cemetery Park and trying to, you know, preserve, preserve legacy and heritage and truly really trying to honor these people that came before us and not let them be forgotten. You know, this almost makes me wonder, you know, certain generations, I just feel like, you know, I'm the kid, I'm a kid of the seventies and eighties. And so for growing up, you know, that was, well, we didn't have, right. You didn't have video games and, and cell phones. And so you were out looking for things to do. And some of that was to dare each other to walk through some cemeteries or, you know, or you just hung out or whatever. Yeah. I never did anything nefarious in them, but you know, it makes you wonder if generations today appreciate a cemetery the same way. I feel like outside of urban explorers, you know, you don't, I don't know that I hear those younger teens, you know, or to older teens really talk. I mean, we, we search for, you know, Dogman Road, or you go to the old cemetery that was haunted. I feel like you don't hear those stories anymore. So I'm curious if that love of cemeteries, if that appreciation, I should say, of cemeteries, if it will be carried on at all. Like, do they even have that same appreciation? Well, I will say Malia Molina, who's on Haunted Discoveries with us, one of her main projects that she works on is something called Grave Hunter. Or that's what she does specifically is highlight cemeteries throughout the world. She's been all over the world doing this and even working with certain uh, historical societies and, and cities and finding lost cemeteries as well. So I think there is an interest more so than we might know. And I know that I've looked at her videos before and looked at some of the hashtags and there's quite a few people out there in the younger generation that really do love to preserve, preserve legacy and honor yeah. you know, history. And I think there's no better place to do that than cemeteries, you know, especially you think about Victorian period and even earlier, death was such a big part of life. And mm -hmm. that was something they looked forward to, not the death part of it, but, you know, the honoring the legacy mm -hmm. of that person and the monuments and the almost pomp and circumstance associated with death in the Victorian period specifically. Um, I think there's a lot more people in the younger generation that do appreciate it, which, and I hope that's the truth. And I hope that even the younger generations beyond that continue because i mean i think it's such an important issue yeah i agree with that um well welcome mustafa he's like What's going on over here no i love it are you kidding me I, I love it i mean there's i've heard tons of stories from brandon and he could go on and especially like the aftermath of stuff that happened to the film you, you know what i mean like so i i love hearing all about this so this is right up my alley you're not gonna hey I talk so much, even when I'm by myself. So it's nice to see. <laughs> well, you got everybody on the side, super interested, Didi, in this particular documentary. So where do we find it, Brandon? Where can everybody go watch this and support this? You can go to cemeteryparkfilm.com and it's available for free. You know, we wanted to make sure it was accessible to everyone just to learn this story and hopefully help, you know, fight Steve's fight in restoring it. And he also has a website, restorestmarys.org, but you can watch the film in its entirety for free at cemeteryparkfilm.com. Awesome. Well, everybody go check that out who was interested. It does sound very interesting. And Dee, Dee was, she was like, that was really, really good. So um, we'll have to go check that out. Um, so let's talk a little bit about Haunted Discoveries because how many seasons are do you have more than one out because i saw your trailer so we've we've filmed three seasons so we've filmed okay. 42 episodes uh as of now 
and uh, the season one premiere, world premiere, is going to happen on TNE in Canada on October okay. 6th as part of Creep Week. And uh, we're very excited about that. And we're excited to be working with such a great network with TND and Blue Ant Media, who's done an amazing show like Eli Roth, A Ghost Ruined My Life, uh, Hotel Paranormal with Dan Aykroyd, uh, Haunted Hospitals, really great work. So we're really stoked to be uh, you know, partnering with them on that and having our world premiere on TNE. Oh, I love that. So can you guys give us a little insight to what do you think makes Haunted? Um, and I know everybody's like, when is it going to be in the U.S.? Well, that's what I was thinking. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but what makes Haunted Discoveries? Do you feel there is something that kind of helps? And I know it's your baby and it's it's you guys doing this. But what sets this show apart than other shows that you've seen so far? Uh, I think Brandon kind of encapsulated it in his talking of uh it's talking about cemetery park and it's one of one key factor is that honest uh and genuine enthusiasm and appreciation for history um specifically the thesis for season one of haunted discoveries is uh that familial connection and that preservation of familial history and and there's something about that that we've noticed like in a lot of these investigations that we've gone on um there's a common factor and this one common factor is that places that have multiple generations of families mm -hmm. that live together, work together, suffer together, thrive together, and the acknowledgement and respect and that dedication um, to one's family lineage and their ancestry, right? It's as if the act of in energy and feeling and thought and words and tradition like you know the victorians um they were very very focused on traditions that tradition and the celebration of that for the lack of a better term is what kind of keeps their spirits alive both in the hearts and minds of family members but also i think in in a physical way as well so i think the root of all of the experimentation and theories that we've i think gotten some pretty good evidence for all kind of stem from that belief and then they kind of shoot off in different ways okay well if belief in this is what causes uh what we think to be you know paranormal activity and what we've documented some really stunning stuff maybe belief in other things and used in other situations maybe that does something let's test that so there's there's something about that and then plus brandon has a lot of uh has a lot of experience in just making really great films. He's he, he's a, he's an artiste, and, and and I mean that in the, in the in the best in the best way. No, he 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 knows what he's doing, um, on camera and off camera. And it's it's not every day you have some somebody who, when you're on a production, right, that mm -hmm. is actively investigating, producing it, pre-producing it, going through everything, and then editing it. So when we're there. And we're on set, like upset, right? And then we're investigating and something happens. Um, we might have had a certain kind of narrative or something in our head about like what this this case is going to be about. But we're like, no, this is the mm -hmm. new thread. We got to follow this. And and because we're the ones producing it, um, right. doing all the work for it, we can make that choice on the fly. You know, right. so uh, that's there's 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 really really kind of no 
let's stick to the script, you know, because a lot of times reality shows feel like Mad Libs after a while, like you just go. So you're talking about natural pivots. You guys are going with the natural pivots that happen instead of saying, okay, this is, we want X amount of scares. We want to make sure that we're, we're highlighting this particular story. You guys are doing a more authentic role with pivoting with whatever you find at that moment. You're in yeah. the moment. Yeah, I mean, true documentary filmmaking uh, in it, I would hope at its finest, but you know, this is a, a docu-series, it's not a reality TV show, which kind of, you know, with the shows that are out there currently and have been out there for 20 plus years, you've kind of had the same system and the same format in place where the formula is there and you know what you're going to get, it's just the same show dressed up with different names. And I don't mean that disrespectfully at all, but with this show, we wanted to highlight the true fashion of what paranormal investigation is and what mm -hmm. discovering history really is and really the stories of these people that they're gonna tell. It's not our story to tell in any way, shape mm -hmm. or form. We can spin it all day and say what we think about it, but at the end of the day, it's not our story to tell. So we wanna make sure that these people, not only the experiencers, but also you know the historical facts and documentation speak to those facts and that we you know follow the true course of the investigation and not play up to an audience or play up to a network or anything like that. So we've been very fortunate for sure. Yeah, I, I kind of, it's kind of nice to hear, right? That there's a, cause if you're not getting anything or if it's not what you think, why not show somebody the process as to, okay, wait, I'm gonna have to stop here for a second and rethink what my thought process or theory or belief is for a hot second and let's go with this and see where it takes us. Because a lot of times we don't. I think sometimes we do stick to that, you said the formula, but we just, we stick to certain, um, and obviously I don't know, I've not, you know, we haven't seen this yet, but you know, when we stick to those certain beliefs because they're sort of the hot topic or the popular belief and it gets you it gets you the responses, right? It gets you the reactions. And and so I think we're in this weird awakening of paranormal, in my opinion, this weird awakening awakening in paranormal where, you know, people are like, yeah, been there, done that. Now let's really talk about, I mean, you always have those that love the certain stories out there, but I think for the most part, people who are really trying to understand paranormal, they're really looking for something different. They're looking to to have that uncomfortable conversation or to have somebody open up about what it is they're really thinking and they're looking to say, I don't know, so help me figure this out and let's figure it out together. So that's awesome. I look forward to, to, to seeing this when it comes in the US. So when is that guys? When does it, when does this air in the US? <laughs> Can't say yet, oh. unfortunately. Oh. I'm I'm so sorry. I didn't tell you, but there's there's somebody outside my door with a gun, and I can't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell us if you tell us, you're like, we'll have to add those right here. Okay. So we okay. get like disemboweled right on camera, dude. Oh, yeah, yeah, cool, right. But, that's right. You know, sorry. Right. <laughs> I got to film more. Um, I can't right. do it. So everybody on the side. So I'm assuming the guys will let you know if you follow their pages. They're gonna let you know as soon as they can when this will be in the U.S. Um, and so we're starting. Starting with, so season one, first episode, October 1st, you said, correct? Did I remember Sixth. that correctly? October 6th. Uh, October 6th. Okay. <laughs> October 6th. That was pretty Canada. good. Oh, yeah. You have to go to Canada, run up. Well, I'm right there. I can just cross yeah. over the river. I'll so, meet you. <laughs> uh, guess what? We'll just go over to Windsor and we'll check it out. Um, that's awesome. Haunted Discoveries. Excited to see what that's all about. And I'm, you, you touched on some, something, Mustafa. You were talking about the family aspect. 
So, you know, it's, it's almost what I'm curious about is this. So, and I just like to pick things apart. So this is not to be disrespectful to anybody, but you, you're talking about the generational, you know, especially when people live together and at a location, if it's several generations and the, the cases of hauntings. So do we feel that because of that, there is such a tie, there is such a personal connection to what's going on in these locations. Do you think that that helps manifest what's going on? We keep those stories alive and it might not be exactly that the, the ghost of Grandma Ann is, is hanging out, but that we want that story of Grandma Ann to, to hang out there? It's very, very interesting that you bring that up because... Um, <laughs> that that's kind of like the germination of of what the the thesis for the the season was it's let's investigate these familial hauntings let's see that familial connection but i think the repetition right of a certain belief or the repetition of a certain story um mm -hmm. this the second episode of season one um titled a desperate witch um completely touches on this belief and thought form manifestation and um it's it's a really 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 incredible story basically i'll give a nutshell of it um there's this long-standing myth in old louisville kentucky story about a woman named annie whipple there's really no there's like you know there's some evidence that there's somebody named annie whipple who lived there but there's nothing to suggest that this story is real this is like okay. straight up scary stories to tell in the dark kind of stuff <laughs> and um we decided okay we are going to actually live this story we're going to do the rituals we got a, a practitioner of a spiritismo to come in we were in a seance we we're in a dark room candles we did like the whole shebang you had grave dust on the table we did the whole ceremony purified ourselves with water it was awesome i made an offering to the witch's tree which is this like local gnarly looking tree i gave up my soul for it and um <laughs> there was like this whole um uh, there's just like whole thing that we did. And like you were saying before, our mentality, like every time we go into a case or an investigation is literally just, okay, let's have interesting methodology. And that's what we're going to document. And I think some of our coolest cases are things where are, were instances where like not much really happened like but we just had really like happened but like our methodology was documented well we were hitting it with enthusiasm let's go after it but in this case um some weird stuff was happening during the course of the investigation in the night but like we didn't capture like anything that would make you throw your popcorn up in the air and like you know <laughs> slap your grandma in the face accidentally um uh, or intentionally i don't know what kind of family yeah. come from. but um there's uh yeah it wasn't until a few days after where like Brandon hits me up and then he's like, dude, you have to come see this. I was like, whoa, what? And we had our um, electron multiplying camera, the EMCCD on a stairwell, which was a pivotal point of this story. And this Annie Whipple woman was reportedly seen by multiple guests, multiple people uh, from uh, someone who gave tour guides there um, throughout years apart of a woman in a black dress walking up and down those stairs. And part of the story is she was constantly running up and down these stairs to, to get medicine for this uh, young woman that she cared for. And sure enough, we captured this woman mm -hmm. who didn't exist in a black dress mm -hmm. figure walking up the stairs. Couldn't recreate yeah. it. Don't know what the heck it was. 
Um, but it was one I've probably watched that clip a thousand times, like just trying to figure out what the hell it is. And uh, it looks like a woman in a black dress walking up the stairs. And when we showed it to the, the tour guide, historical tour guide, you could see her face and she's like, that's what I saw. So is that proof that Annie and the Annie Whipple story is real, that she ended up contacting a doctor from beyond the grave using automatic writing and that the witch's tree is totally real and I should have a PlayStation 5 coming in the mail any day now? Uh, I don't uh, I, I don't know. Or is it proof in the idea of a thought for manifestation that when you put that energy out there and you're constantly saying these things, and you're constantly giving thoughts and energy in your heart and enthusiasm to a certain idea, does that manifest itself? Is it like the secret, except not lame? Like, you know, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> the secret, lame. Um, so it is interesting though, because how will we ever differentiate those two things? How can we ever really get solid? I'm gonna use the word proof. How do we know when we're dealing with thought manifestation versus a soul? The reality is, you know, we're going to talk energy. What's the difference? It's kind of like, it's like a placebo. Does it work? Or do we just think it works? But if we think it works and we feel like it's worked, then it's worked, right? Like at what point, wh where's that demarcation? That's tough. I don't know. You know, it's hopefully the advancement of, you know, testing the theory and advancement, advancement of technology, excuse me, hopefully we can differentiate it, right? Or we can fine tune it and try and control the environment and test that even further, which is something we did with uh, Kyle and Darian Mustafa at Bethlehem Academy. But going back to what Mustafa said about that find with the EMCCD camera and this woman in the black dress, what makes that even more interesting is that we had an aerospace engineer with us on location when we captured this. And we're talking a guy that's a complete skeptic. Like he doesn't believe in anything. He was there in the investigation. He knows that no trickery was involved. Nothing out of the ordinary was happening. And when he saw that, it was shocking to him. But again, it's hard to differentiate mm -hmm. what is the, the is it the belief aspect or is it human consciousness, consciousness, excuse me, surviving death? I, I don't know. I don't know. This is almost where we need to get like a scientist of some sort or a doctor to come in. And this is where we need this is where I, I always feel like, you know, and you see bits of it. But but I feel like we get a little bit of this information and then we sort of. I don't know how much as investigators, we love to understand how much we can produce ourselves. I say one of my things I say constantly is we don't realize how magical we are. I use that term just because we we can do pretty amazing things. We don't just die and suddenly we're magic, right? We're magic right here and now. So it would almost be really interesting to have so many different things. And I don't, it would be expensive. And I don't even know if you could get that equipment to abandoned places or haunted places, right? But to, to really outfit a living person to understand what is going on in their heads, consciously, subconsciously, to, to measure those things as some of these things are happening to understand where where are we going when these things and that still doesn't prove shit because if we think about that it could be that all this going on can help project something from the other side to open up that realm so we do see it i mean i don't know if any technology would ever be able to say yep this is for sure something that was mine mine made and this is something that is for sure coming from the other side right i don't know if there would ever be technology that can say that Right. Well, we've been very lucky uh, to have Dr. Harry Clore, which is the first person in history to receive two PhDs simultaneously. This guy 
is a his, historical living figure, basically. I mean, one of the greatest, greatest scientific minds out there. And we've been lucky to have him full time working with us on the last two seasons of the show. And this is a guy that is owns a robotics company and AI companies and stem cell research companies and is, you know, helping save people across the world. And he took time out of his schedule to come out and going to spooky haunted places with us, which has been phenomenal. I know Mustafa, you know, you love working with Harry and I know that we've really taken a big leap in, you know, you know, using the scientific method and staying as grounded within scientific principles possible and having a person there like that to check us and say, Hey guys, let's, let's not go there. Right. This is what we need to stick to quantifiable data. This is what we need to find. We've been very lucky to, you know, have that and experience that. Yeah, it's also a, a pretty great like moment, where, which which when it happens a few times, when we can get him to be like, oh, I don't know what this is. And then once yeah. he says that, Brandon and I look to each other, we're like, oh, it's a ghost. Like, like, we get like super, super, super stoked, like whenever we can get in a situation where Doc is like, kind of like really, really like scrambling to go and, and like try to come up with a practical explanation for what's going on so that's that's super that's super cool so it's awesome to have him on board and uh he's just great i love that and i hope that the medical field does start to take um and the you know that sort of the i really all of i don't can't say stem but right chemistry and biology and medical like all that the field comes together to understand what's going on and to take it a little more serious i feel like more medical is starting to step up a little bit being a little bit more um vocal i feel like Dee, i feel like we've had several guests on in that field where they're like okay you know what we can admit we don't know everything and and that we can admit there are things we just can't explain and so that is a cool aspect to this but it's interesting because I've, you know, because I do dream interpretations, I follow a lot of that. And even in the medical world, they don't ask you about your dreams. And that there's a doctor who does um, all dream stuff online. I can't think of his name right now, but he's really, if you Google that, you'll find him. And he says that in the medical field, when you go to the doctor, they never, and no, no medical doctor, maybe in psychiatry, they do a little bit, but they don't focus on what's going on in your dreams. And that has so much, so many answers. You know, and so they're not even going to look into dreams, which we all know are real and we have. There's that paranormal is even like a step behind that, you know, for them medically thinking, right? Because that's not something that a lot of them look into. Um, but that kind of leads me to a question I want to ask you guys Do you ever have dreams uh, involving a location that you're going to go to and investigate, or after you investigate, or spirits from those locations? Have you ever connected your dream life to anything paranormal? I personally have not. No, I can't say so. What about you, Mustafa? Yeah, but I only realized it to like years later. Um, mm -hmm. Really, really, really kind of weird instance. Uh, but yeah, but it's only happened that one time. So, yeah. Is it not, something not. you would share or not? Oh, okay. Yeah, no, it's just um, so <laughs> uh, one of I had a this was years before I did um Annie's ghost hunters or, or even met brandon and uh, i had a uh, a second cousin of mine i got into the paranormal mostly just to like help like a lot of my family members and you know people from the albanian muslim community and stuff like that and what i would do is um i would they would have issues they would think that they're being haunted they always thought it was a jinn like you know and um 
I was always studying hauntings and stuff. So I had a second cousin who was living in this condo somewhere in Staten Island. And um, she was in a really, really bad relationship. She hated her job. Like, you know, she was just in a really rough place. She was just drinking a lot and all that stuff. So I went to go and see her and I was like the family holy man. You know, I went to like Islamic school and I was like the good boy and all that. So um, you would never think it now. But uh, I I went to go and um, meet with her and I kind of used it as like a like a personal betterment session. You know, and I said, OK, here are the things that aren't working out for you. So let's um, let's let's try to rule these things out. So, you know, she got off the sauce. Um, you know, she started. She, I'm like, what did you always want to do in your life? She's like, I wanted to work in fashion, you know, so she ended up getting like an internship somewhere at this uh, company called Ralph Rucci. And then now she's actually working for like Louis Vuitton. She's got some like great position there. She loves it. And, um, you know, she ended up dumping this guy. She was in like, she was just a total tool bag so she left him and then like you know everything's on the up and up it took like 18 months you know 20 months and, and, and she was doing better um but she was still complaining about having these really 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 terrifying dreams and that there was just something in this she felt like there was something in this place so i had a, a remote job where i was writing for like a cell phone blog so i said um you know how about i stay in your place and i stay there for you know a week or so or two weeks and then we can uh we can try to assess like whatever's going on. So I went there and um, she stayed with her mom and you know, I stayed there, did my work and first night, nothing really happened. You know, things like kind of normal, whatever. During the day on the, the second day, I kind of felt like a little weird there. And I thought I was seeing something out of the corner of my eyes, started hearing stuff. Um, in the house and then at night before I started going to bed like I heard like what sounded like murmurs like something like that like like that and I was like oh man this place is like getting to me I don't know cool um third night the third day that's happening more and more and more and more and more and more and then I had this dream um on the third night where somewhere feels like the Middle East and I'm on top of a building, looks like Agrabah, like somewhere in like uh, like the Aladdin movie, right? And I'm on top of there and uh, I'm holding a baby and this baby in the dream uh, is my son. You know, I didn't have any children um, at the time and I'm holding this, uh, this child and I'm on this roof and I look at him and he doesn't have a face and then, um, I throw him off the roof of this building and then I wake up and I'm like, whoa, I'm like all freaked out. I was like, this is gnarly. I'm getting the hell out of here. So like the next day I went and, you know, I told her, Hey, you know, this, this, this place is, and I recorded some like weird noises. I gave this to my old team member, Mike to like analyze. And I said, Hey, I think I caught this stuff. Can you, can you look at it? And, um, she ended up selling the place. And I think to this day, nobody lives there. Like it's like someone else bought it and they like lost the deposit on it and all that stuff. Cause they couldn't live there. Like they like ended up ruining their credit cause they refused to make the mortgage payments. Um, so years and years and years later, I met, um, I met the, uh, the woman who become my wife, Miriam. And, um, she's originally from Alexandria, Egypt. And then after our son was born, uh, Zach, she was like, he's like 10 months old. She's like, um, let's, can we go visit my family in Egypt? I said, sure. You know, so we got that trip all set up, went over there, everything's cool, yada, yada. And then um, she's like, we're going to go visit my grandma. And she lives in this uh, 
awesome French architecture building, like from back during the French occupation days of, of Egypt. Mm-hmm. And this place was dope. It was sick. So we go all the way up to, she lived on the top floor. So we go all the way up on the top floor, meeting with her family. Everybody's cool and everybody's nice and they're serving food. And they're like always trying to like give you a coma, you know, with all the food they're freaking giving you. And then um, they're like, okay, well, it's time to do the family tradition. And I was like, well, like, what's that? And every time there's a new baby that's born in the family, what they do is, like Michael Jackson did that time, is they take the baby and they hold it over the balcony. So they had me walk out on the balcony. It's the same exact balcony and the same exact skyline from my dream. And, um, you know, my my wife's uncle is is holding my kid. And I'm, like, looking there and I'm like, I, I, I couldn't move. Like, my legs froze. Yeah. I was checking everything and I was like, hey, I'm like, you guys like can't put them <laughs> over the balcony. And they're like, what? And then I was like, I called the baby. I was like, and I had to go inside. And um, because it was the same thing for my dream. So uh, that's probably the only time that uh that ever happened to me. Wow. So do you suspect that I mean, like, do you know that the uncle is he okay? Like, was that something do you think he might have was a warning that he was going to drop him accidentally or like do you feel like it was a warning dream no i just think it was a dream to i think it probably just forecasted my hatred of traveling to egypt so i think that's probably what it was i mean it forecasted the food poisoning i got over there like a million times thankfully nothing happened um but uh yeah it was it was i don't know what it was it was just it was just gnarly maybe it was a way for whatever was there to kind of get in my head and taint the water or a warning sign of uh you know certain problems that were to arise you know associated with whatever uh that place was but um yeah uh I actually, wow, that should bring it up. I think I know what it is, but that's personal. I'll talk about that another well, time. Do you, do you guys still know your dreams? Like, you, so you had this dream and, and it later seemed to, to come to life, but are you guys good at going, okay, I had that dream. I remember it. This really stood out because it does take a lot of practice as Didi is, is trying to tell us all constantly. Yeah. You have to learn how to record you your dream. <laughs> yeah. But because you guys, I mean, do you give that side of, your investigations the time I, I think you have to be very conscious to be able to say i'm going to uh, tonight you know this is three days out before we're going to do this or this is a week out before we're going to do this i'm going to be conscious of and more aware of what i'm dreaming do you guys yeah, feel you that you're try it? yeah yeah i would definitely try it um myself and apra you know the american paranormal research association we're very open to all styles and forms of investigation you know, we've worked with a lot of, you know, impasse and psychic mediums and things like that. So um, I'm willing to work with people that believe that, you know, personally for me, I don't dream very much. And when I do, it's not something I probably remember very well the next day, uh, but yeah. I, I would definitely be open to it for sure. But I'm definitely open to others, you know, coming into the fold and in our investigations and, and attempting to do that. I think that would be very interesting. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. Um, D. Hood is asking. I'm, I'm assuming she wants to know from you guys, and not Didi and I. Um, <laughs> do you guys? Does it really matter if, if anyone investigates during the day or night? And if so, why is one preferred over the other? I think the only reason night investigations are better than days is to cut contamination, right? less traffic, less noises from outside. A lot of these places we investigate are either a business or a historical society, a home. 
it's just a, a lot easier to try and control your environment as much as possible in the, the late hours because of less contamination. It's also spookier. I was gonna say everybody always uses the ambiance, but I'm gonna be super honest. I think if I had something crazy go on during the day, I'd be like, "What the hell?" Like I, I you almost expect it at night. You don't always expect it during the daylight. Yeah. So, um, but I agree. I, that's kind of how we always answer as well. I think less contamination, a little bit quieter, a little easier. Um, you don't have to say, "Hey." Uh, I just heard a baby laughing. Well, yeah, because there's kids outside playing. Like it, it definitely makes it a little bit easier. So if you do get the baby laughing at, in the middle of the night, you are like, well, what was that? <laughs> That's yeah. pretty crazy. Um, so you guys, yeah, this is this is all, you know, you guys are busy. You're, you're doing, you know, haunted discoveries. You guys have what you're doing on the sides. Like, do you guys ever take time for personal investigations where you're just like, you know what, let's just go do something for funsies. Like, let's just do our own thing. Do you guys have make time for that? Jeez. Um, I, I, gosh, these days I haven't really gotten a chance. I really haven't. Um, sometimes, you know, I used to, I used to do some like events and stuff and it was a really cool way to, to find new places and, and to go out and do that. But um, we're pretty, yeah, I think, I think Brandon, it's the same. It's like, you know, just, uh, and if an opportunity arises and we go and do it, yeah, we'll check out a, a spot. But um, we're we're researching so many potential new spots that um, I think that's kind of like an active part of it. But to go in and like and investigate on that, like uh, I haven't really gotten a chance to. No. Did you want to make sure that because I know you had some questions um, that you wanted to touch on, so I want to make sure that we have some time. Well, I did notice you guys have something about a Waverly Hills event on the 20th and you're going to premiere. So some people in the United States are going to get to see it, right? Yeah, Waverly absolutely. Hills. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be on September 20th at Waverly Hills and all proceeds from the ticket sales go to the restoration of Waverly Hills. And now Tina and Charlie are back in the building. We wanted to help them out any way we could. So anyone that comes out gets to see uh, our episode that we filmed at Waverly not too long ago, actually. Uh, and also get a hangout for a Q&A and do a little mini investigation as well and walk the building. So again, September 20th and all proceeds go to the restoration of the historic and haunted Waverly Hills. Love that. That really fun. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Uh, oh, I know, I did have another question. I like to ask people, okay, so we've got haunted locations, haunted like objects like dolls and such and or is it just the people that are haunted like what have you found do you think it's the people that are haunted is it possible for a doll to be haunted or a spirit to travel with the doll or is it just like stuck to a location geez um i do feel like the group of of folks who are investigating a place that has a lot to do with it i i don't know what it is i mean um Investigating with Brandon has been the most fun and and, and most intense uh, times I've ever had investigating the paranormal. Um, and I think just the frequency in which we pick up stuff, because I think we're working for the same thing and we're working on the same kind of wavelength, that that helps. Um, I, I just, I don't know if people are necessarily haunted themselves. I, I can't even begin to answer that. But what I can say is that I think whatever it is that you're working for and that energy that you're giving off, because if you're, if you're, again, this is going to sound all theoretical, artsy fartsy thing, but like if you're, if you're, if you're fighting to accomplish something on an honest and sincere level, and if there are entities there that retain consciousness after they've 
died. That's a very real human thing that you're tapping into and that you're resonating with. There is a certain magic that happens when somebody hits any type of authenticity or realness. And that's in life. You've been on those late night conversations sometimes that you've had or you've somebody's really kind of taken you aback and it kind of feels like there's no air in the room and time just stops. And I think if you can persevere whatever normal everyday regular bullshit that goes through your head um, to go and at least try to fight to get to something that's honest, you know, and you have another person who's doing that and they're like this and you're running together, at least just going for that. That is the definition, I think, of life itself. So if there is an afterlife, that's what I think is resonating. And then that's when I think you have the best opportunity to capture something if there's something there. So I think that's my answer for like, are people haunted? In terms of uh, objects, I have yet to have a doll go and try to like choke me in the middle of the night or something like that. <laughs> I'd pay good money for that, and uh, you know, but I would say, I would say, uh, uh, I have, I haven't really. There have been instances where like weird stuff, like we've picked up weird environmental aberrations after introducing certain objects to the environment. Wouldn't you say, Brandon? Yeah, you know, it's I, I've yet to encounter you know an item per se that you can consistently gather data from. That is something mm -hmm. that can be looked at by a third party to say, hey, we have no idea why this is happening. So is it out of the realm of possibility? I don't know, you know, but I, I've yet to see proof of items being haunted. Uh, but again, you never know in this crazy world of the paranormal, yeah. who knows what's going on, right? That's a controversial take right there, uh, Brandon. You know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, when we study paranormal, I always feel like we put certain things like, right we've talked about this where when you go to a haunted location it's you know little susie who was murdered thrown down a well and she's stuck there but if somebody has passed away in your home we don't you know people for families later don't necessarily say oh you know so and so's relative died in that house not always i mean unless it's a really good story attached to the house um but i feel like you know you take telekinesis you do any of that stuff if we can bend the spoon why couldn't we make a, a an item move a haunted like a haunted item move if somebody is so into oh my gosh you know my peewee doll you know he's so haunted and why couldn't and but and people have seen it move but if we can see people do something with their minds alone again how do you differentiate if if we're putting enough energy into that, are we making that thing haunted, moving, exactly. doing whatever it's doing, right? Well, very true. And that's something we studied in season one, too, is how does belief play into what we perceive to be a haunting or what we yeah. perceive to be ghosts and entities, whatever you would like to call yeah. it. And I think that belief goes a lot further. And just like you're talking about, if you're projecting that from your mind, who's to say that that's not affecting the environment in some way we can't understand. And it's actually an experiment we conducted at Bethlehem Academy with um, uh, Kyle and Darian, two really brilliant researchers who have been working on similar theories for a number of years, where we came in with them and did this huge experiment of trying to project thoughts into the environment. And we had some really interesting results where we did collect data that, you know, the environment was being changed we actually did collect photon events on the emccd camera at the same time so it's a very interesting theory and definitely a possibility i'd say for sure 
And we don't, when we make these statements or when I make these statements, I don't want anybody to think that I'm saying all. It's never all and it's never everything. These are just certain scenarios that could possibly be playing out. And I, I agree with you, Brandon, like, you know, belief systems right there alone play so much. We are so heavily, we are just belief based people. It is just what we are. And when we stray from that, it gets scary for some people. So for some of us who might've been born and raised into Christianity and then said, thank you, no, thank you. And walked into something else, you know, people get very nervous with that. And, and I think just because you don't have a strong belief in something or you believe in something and then you can say outside of that belief, well, this could actually, it, you can act, two things can be right at the same time. Your belief can carry you through and something else could be happening that has nothing to do with your belief, right? Two things can be right at the same time. I think sometimes in the paranormal, we tend to not use that theory. I think we stay to, if you're really heavy in the Christian narrative, that's what you use and you do not stray from it, right? And so there are some of us that don't use the demon word. That can be very uncomfortable for other people. And that doesn't mean there's not negative energies out there, right? But yeah, that whole belief thing, we are so heavily based in belief. Um, Stacy is asking Mustafa, you mentioned, I'm not sure, is this spirit smoke? I don't know, person before. What was the tradition of that medium? I'm not sure. Was, what... Yeah, spiritismo. I believe it was Santeria. Okay. Um, that's that's what she was versed in. Um, and, and Olorisha. Yeah. Olorisha as well. Yeah. Yeah, she's a very talented person, amazing. Angelique's phenomenal. And, uh, you know, again, we, we try and stick to scientific methodology and principle as much as possible. But again, we're open minded in the fact that we would like to bring other people into investigations and try and monitor around that. And it was amazing. She was fantastic. I love that. Well, thank you, Stacey. Um, and Rachel, of course, is asking for both of y'all, what is your favorite locations that you've been to and that you've investigated? Oh man, gosh, I, I, I'm going to, it's kind of like asking somebody like what, like, you know, like, Oh, what's your favorite movie? Or like, what's your favorite, like, yeah. like you know, song or I, it, recently, I just can't stop thinking about a location that we investigated in the third season on a discoveries, uh, white hall, like um, the, the stuff that, uh, the story associated with the place, the look of it, um, the way we worked to document what we documented there, that that's that right now is the one that just comes up in my head. Um, it's Whitehall. I'm sure that'll change if you ask me that like yeah. tomorrow or another day. But right now I'm going to stay. I'm going to say Whitehall. For I me, it's that. always the RMS Queen Mary in Long Beach, uh, you know, a place <laughs> that I was very lucky to investigate for over a decade, captured some amazing uh, data associated with it over a span of years. And, and, you know, World War II history within itself is always something that always fascinates me. So definitely I'd say RMS Queen Mary. Right up your your alley yeah, there. My favorite too. <laughs> love that. Love that. Well, guys, thank you so much for your time. You guys are busy, busy. Is there anything you guys want to throw out there for anybody that wants to get to know who you guys are or to see what you guys are doing? What? Where do you send them? Where do they go look for you? I mean, you could just uh, find me on Instagram any kind of social media, you know, Mustafa, just type in Mustafa ghost hunters. And then, yeah, that's, that's it. Or Mustafa on a discoveries now. And then the only other thing I'll say is, um, October 6th on discoveries T and E premiere and, uh, look out for information when that, uh, American date's going to drop. <laughs> that's right. Absolutely. Watch for it. 
I'm it's coming soon. Canadians. Go it's coming soon. Canadians Very soon. But for me, it's uh, you can go to my website, brandonjalvis.com, and all social media. So it's all there. But on my website, it's all uniformed and right there. So it's easy to find. Awesome. Awesome. Didi, did you get, I know you, you did, you were like, I've got my questions ready. Yeah, did you get them I did. I'm so happy. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Well, guys, thank you so much. It was a great conversation. I, I can't wait till Haunted Discoveries comes to the U.S. Or again, I might have to go hang out with the Paranormal Voice right there in the winter yeah. uh, Ontario area, see if they'll let us watch. Maybe they'll have a viewing party. That would be very cool. So October 6th for all Canadians out there, go check it out. Um, for all of us here in the U.S., let's keep our eyes on their pages and find out when we can watch it there. And everybody, go watch Cemetery Park. That is, I, I'm that I'm gonna. I might need to sit down and watch that tonight. That might be my viewing pleasure tonight. So go check. It's that dope. Out. It's dope. Uh, awesome. Well, guys, on the side, thank you so much. As always, you guys have been huge supports. I'm glad you guys got some conversation in here with Mustafa and Brandon. As always, we see you, we appreciate you, we love you always. Um, guys, I know you're busy, so thank you. And we will see everybody next Monday at our regular time, 7 p.m. Eastern time. You can catch the blondes right here um, on, of course, Paranormally Blonde YouTube, also on the Get Haunted Network uh, public page and the Get Haunted main page. So guys, have a fantastic rest of the week. Gentlemen, thank you so much. You guys have a great week and we will see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you.